Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Left of Straight Show with your host, Scott Fullerton, as we discuss everything under the rainbow sun, from LGBT issues to foodies, entertainment to books. Join us as we talk to some of the most interesting leaders and celebrity LGBT guests and allies on the Internet. So grab a cocktail, it's always happy hour somewhere, and enjoy the show. Now, here's your host, Scott Fullerton. Well, howdy, 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 everybody. How you doing? Welcome to the Left of Straight Show. It is Monday, April 27th, 2020. I am your host, Scott Fullerton. Hope you all had an amazing weekend this weekend, finding things to do as we start to try to get back into a new normal, at least get ready for it. It's Musical Monday here on the Left of Straight Show, and not just that. But International Musical Monday. Today we have Brazil, Mexico, Canada, Utah, and New York City in the house. All those places and three fantastic artists. They're all singer-songwriters. And first up, in just a couple of minutes, is going to be Rodrigo Massa. He is born in Brazil and started his career in Mexico. Then we're going to bring Matt Stern back on the show. He is from Canada and become a very good friend to me in the show. And then we're going to finish up with, for the first time in the show, Justin Utley, born and raised in Utah, and another one of those Mormon stories we've had on before, and now living in New York City with a great new single. So great musical Monday coming up for you in just a little bit. Uh, go through a little bit of news here to get this started. Um, lots of streaming going on this weekend. If you had a chance to watch it, if you were Stuck at Home, um, that helpweho.com that I've been working with for West Hollywood. We raised another $2,000 on Saturday. Uh, if you don't remember, um, helpweho.com is the website. Been raising money to um, give back to the servers, bartenders, and entertainers at the LGBT bars and restaurants in West Hollywood because they've all been without work now going on their seventh week and it's a gig job so they don't get unemployment usually um they're all trying there's a couple rules now where they think they can but uh it's it's a delay to get it so we've been raising money giving out i think we gave out hundreds of gift cards and we're probably going to be doing more paying bills and things like that and i'm going to try to replicate that here in columbus ohio in the next week with my uh radio partner down in columbus uh, True Q Media. So look for that. But we had a great little fundraiser, like I said, on Saturday. We're doing uh, every sun- we're doing Sunday fun days. So every Sunday from three o'clock to five o'clock Pacific, six o'clock, eight o'clock Eastern time, we're doing a little Sunday fun day dance party with host Ryan Kenny as the DJ. He's a world famous DJ. And then we get different guests. This week we had Shangela from Drag Race and Jay Rodriguez from the original Queer Eye for the Straight Guy on, and then local drag queen Butter and local host 
um, Kyle Langan was on to host this weekend. We gave away, uh, for a $25 donation, we gave away a weekend two-night stay at the Lapeer Hotel in West Hollywood. And coming up, we got all sorts of prizes to be given away in the coming Sundays, so look for it. Uh, we got a $2,100 value, two tickets to Palm Springs next white party with VIP entry and hotel stay in Palm Springs. We have acting classes with our buddy Stan Zimmerman, who's written such amazing comedy as The Golden Girls, The Gilmore Girls, Roseanne, the Brady Bunch movies, and so much else. We have some original artwork on masks and T-shirts from our buddy Paul Richmond, who was on last week. Prize pack from Dell Shores with a bunch of signed movies and stuff from him. So much more coming on, so be on the lookout for that. Also last night, there were two other big streaming events. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. There was Together in Pride, which was hosted by Billy Eichner and Lily, Hing, Lily Singh. Excuse me. They were raising money for the Centerlink Foundation, which raises money for all the LGBT centers across the country. They had some great uh, people. They had Adam Lambert, Sean Hayes, Matt Bomer, Dan Levy. That was very cool, and you can look at uh, that on YouTube now. There was also a Take Me to the World, a Sondheim 90th birthday celebration, which, as you know, I'm a huge Broadway geek, and it was all major Broadway stars like Patti LuPone, Donna Murphy, Ben Platt, Lin-Manuel Miranda, uh, everyone to stage and screen stars like Jake Gyllenhaal and Mandy Patinkin. So the highlight of the night, of course, was Christine Baranski, Meryl Streep, and Audra McDonald did their take on Ladies Who Lunch. Absolutely amazing. Uh, it's going to be crazy. So, yeah, so lots of streaming stuff this weekend. There's still lots of good stuff on there while people are trying to figure out how they're going to get back to work. So that's amazing. What's a couple other things we have to talk about? Uh, Saturday was Lesbian Recognition Day. So I hope you hug your lesbians on Saturday. And I told you last Friday, if you're listening last Friday, I did an amazing interview. Rachel, um, Rachel Mason and her parents own Circle of Books in West Hollywood. It's a new documentary. It's on Netflix right now. It's still under the popular and trending te- categories. It's about the early days of West Hollywood and this gay adult bookstore that her parents ran being a, uh, a nice middle-aged Jewish couple and their family ran in West Hollywood. It's an amazing documentary. I'm going to have an interview with Rachel up later this week. But if you haven't seen that, definitely go see that on Netflix. You will thank me for it afterwards. That is for sure. Uh, what else going on? Oh, oh, also, I was just checking different things out. There's been um, a lot of people doing TikTok challenges, you know, the little dancing challenge where you raise your hand and wiggle your hips and everything. There's also one where a bunch of women did makeup. They kind of showed themselves before makeup and then after makeup in a little TikTok thing. Well, a group of seven trans men, female to male trans men, um, did the same thing with Marco Marco underwear, posing in their Marco Marco underwear to promote body positivity. It's an amazing video. If you have a chance to see it, you can probably see it on YouTube as well, if not TikTok. And it's just an amazing transformation of bodies and body positivity. So that was really exciting to see as well. So much great content online, guys. Um, Our buddies uh, are doing streaming videos still now. 
for exercise. We have our buddy Paul Ruggieri, and we have uh, Lewis doing um, Equinox stuff. We have our buddy Jake Dean Taylor from last week doing fitness training online. We have singers David Hernandez and Brandon Stansel. Uh, Cameron Hawthorne, who I had on a couple weeks ago, has a new video out today for his cover of the Dixie Chick song. So he has a new music video out. So just all sorts of great stuff going on there. But we're going to get into Musical Monday here in just a couple of seconds. I'm going to have Rodrigo Massa come on first. I have no idea where he's calling in from because he's just an international jet setter, guys. But it's going to be a great International Musical Monday. We're going to have Rodrigo on in just a couple minutes. Then stay tuned for Matt Stern after that. And finishing up the night, we have Justin Utley, three amazing singers and songwriters. I'm going to play Rodrigo's song. It was done both in English and Spanish. It was released in February. It's a perfect dating proposal song. We'll talk about it later. He has all these different proposals uh, throughout it, including some same-sex proposals. So I'm really excited for you to listen to the song. Check out all of his music videos. They are amazing. You know, it's a couple English songs, but all of the songs are amazing. So this is Rodrigo Massa with If I Close My Eyes. And we'll be back with Rodrigo on the other side. You're listening to the Left of Straight show right here on the Left of Straight radio network. If I close my eyes, there's only you and I. It feels like paradise when you are next to me. I will give you Yeah. 
all the clouds dissipate. You'll always be my one and only. For better or for worse, I will stay. Back. We are back, guys. That was If I Close My Eyes. We're going to play one more Rodrigo song. I think he's just now calling in. This is one that I picked up that I personally fell in love with. It's called Save Me. We're back on the other side with Rodrigo. You're listening to the Left of Straight Show right here on the Left of Straight Radio Network. Searching for an answer 
All right, we are back. That was Save Me by my next guest. Guys, he's an internationally known actor and recording star with Brazilian roots who moved to Mexico at age 20, taking the skills he learned in linguistics from the University of Sao Paulo to work as a teacher of languages and pursue a career in show business. After learning the craft in acting, singing, television hosting, and dancing, he's gone on to conquer all of those fields. He's been playing the bad guy for the past two seasons on the Univision Netflix series El Dragon, Return of a Warrior, which is among the 10 most viewed series in 18 countries. His latest single from his upcoming album was just released in February in English and Spanish. He has a brand new world premiere video from last week. I'm so excited to talk to him. Let's welcome to the Left of Straight Show for the very first time, Mr. Rodrigo Massa. Rodrigo, how you doing? Hey, Scott. I'm good. Nice introduction, I must say. <laughs> um, well, also, you... I, I have to make a little correction. We already reached 30. We're number one in 30 countries on Netflix, and that's very exciting. <laughs> Woohoo! That is awesome. That's fiction I like to make, my friend. Well, <laughs> For sure. I am excited to have you on the show. I feel like I need a passport just to do my research on you. From working in South America, Mexico, Canada, you're a busy man. Where are you calling in from today? I am living in Vancouver. I moved to Vancouver um, in July next year. Um, I just decided to, well, you know, like any actor anywhere in the world, you always dream of Hollywood. And Vancouver, it turns out it's a really good shortcut, you know. Um, so I decided to go into the North American um, uh, market uh, through Canada, and it's been great for me. So, yeah, it's been like almost a year that I'm living here. That's awesome. It's an amazing place for actors. How is your body adapting from Brazil to Canada? That's got to be a little transition. Yeah, it's a huge transition. Well, actually, I, 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 um, I had a little connection in Mexico, which lasted 13 years uh, living and acting in Mexico. Uh, and then, yeah, Canada is just a whole new ball game. I mean, I, I, um, I had never, you know, I, I, I had always dreamed of living either in the U.S., Canada, or Europe. You know, um, just just seeing right. how things are. Like when when you grow up in Brazil, it's like, ooh, first world first world countries. You know, what what is it like? <laughs> you know, to live to live in a place like that. And, and now that I'm here, I realize that, yeah, things are so different, you know, like, um, and through this whole thing that we're living right now with COVID, it's just uh, very interesting to see how the authorities uh, respond to it in a very different way um, than what's going on uh, back home. You know? So, um, yeah, I'm that, really enjoying yeah. the whole process. Well, that's awesome. We talked a little bit about off air. It's one of the places I always want to go to. They film such great things there, and we'll get into some of that in a little bit. Um, I always like to start with a little background for first-time guests, even though we kind of briefly mentioned it. Talk about growing up. What kind of a kid were you, and what did you want to be when you grew up? Was this something you always thought you were going to do? Oh, that's a good question. What kind of kid I, I was? I was one of those kids that wouldn't shut up. I was very annoying. <laughs> I was like growing up, like until I, love I was like, it. five, six, or seven. Uh, I was always talking. I was always singing. I would have like my 
my radio shows on uh, cassette tapes, you know, I would record my own, my own radio shows and then be like, oh, now we're going to listen to this song and then play the song and record it, you know, nice. uh, from my cassette recorder. <laughs> so um, <laughs> I, I could say that one of my dreams was uh, working on the radio, but it quickly uh, evolved into um, I wanted to be on television, which was something that always fascinated me um, whenever I was like, sad or um, crying or throwing a tantrum or something my mom would just uh, put me in front of the television and that's what would end it right away you know Um, I was always very obsessed with TV (laughs) right right very cool so you kind of had an inkling early on Um, did you have any uh, what was your musical influences from was there a lot of music in the house or where did that come from Oh, so much music. My um, father, he, he, well, he already passed away, but he was, he was a musician. uh, And when I was, well, Mm. you know, like it was a hobby of his, it wasn't something that um, he would, he would do for a a living, but he had this little ranch growing up uh, in near Sao Paulo in Brazil. uh, And every weekend we could, we, we would go there and we would just, sit on the porch and he would grab his guitar and he would be playing until like you know 1 a.m and just singing my favorite songs and and that was I think that's what started it all you know just seeing how beautiful it was you know just him sitting down and 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 making music right then and there you know like live music show just for me and my brother um I think that was it was amazing I think that's what started it and then um yeah I would I would always um Whenever we went to a shopping mall or something, the first place I would go to was a music store and like buying vinyls and then after that, like the, the CDs and stuff, you know, of my favorite artists, mostly Brazilian. Um, and yeah, yeah, music was always a, something very constant when I was growing up. That's excellent. I love that. Uh, I'm going to tiptoe on this question a bit for you. I usually ask my guests on the first time on the show to talk a little bit about their coming out stories if they have one. But in all my research, this is something I haven't seen you discuss, so I want to honor that. I do want to say that uh, your first video had a little controversy and recently hit 400,000 views, which is amazing, and it involved a love triangle between two men and a woman. So my question is, talk about your support for the LGBTQ community. What was your earliest connection to it? And why is it important for you to represent it in your music? I think it all started when I was uh, doing theater in Mexico. And we did this huge musical called Verdado Reto, uh, Truth or Dare. And uh, it had my character was, well, he was married to a woman and then uh yeah towards the end of the story you would like start discovering things and turns out that he had a gay affair when he was a teenager and there was like mm. the surprising gay kiss that nobody expected in mexico that's huge because we're talking about this very macho country very conservative very catholic right so yeah i remember when, when the kiss happened on stage nobody would expect it you know like uh there wasn't even a hint before the kiss scene so we would hear people just gasping and screaming and like it was 
so much fun to hear the reaction like <laughs> weekend after weekend. We did like six shows per week. It was like in the biggest theater in Mexico, in Mexico City. And um, I think that's when I started having like a huge LGBT following in, in Mexico. Through that, I just, um, I think it was like a year later, I released Acabo de Soñar Contigo, which is the music video that you just mentioned which had something very similar. It was a very unexpected uh, gay twist in the, in the plot. You, like the whole video, you think I'm singing, I'm singing to a girl and then turns out, oh, oh, oh there's a gay kiss there. What's going on? <laughs> and that's a video that has surprised a lot of people. And that's my uh, most successful um, single by far. We have 400,000 views on YouTube. And um, yeah, people just love it. I, I think it's a very sweet love story and um it might be something that you guys are used to in the american market but it was completely new uh for mexico and for a lot of countries in latin america so so yeah that was that was fun to watch of course i i got you know some haters here and there but it was mostly love you know and people just that's awesome with this video and asking for you know like a sequel or something very cool. Well, I thank you for the representation. We'll talk about it more in a couple of other songs, but I just wanted to kind of put that out there a little bit, and I, and I appreciate you telling that story. Let's start with your acting. I mean, you were in over 150 advertising campaigns from South America <laughs> to the U.S. here to Spain and France. What was your best memory of one of those? That's a lot of work. Ooh. I think it was when I did this campaign for this Mexican airline called Aeromexico. Um, and they were looking for, they were <laughs> casting for actors uh, for different versions of the commercial. Cause there was going to be a version in English, a version in Spanish and a version in French, you know, for different oh, wow. marks of the airline. And then um, my agent had, it was actually a self-tape. They were doing the audition, but for some reason I didn't get that audition. So my agent was like, oh, they've been looking for, you know, like actors for this uh, campaign. There are these different versions. And I know that you speak different languages, you know. Initially, they weren't thinking about uh, hiring the same actor for all the versions. But since I speak all those three languages fluently, they ended up hiring <laughs> me for all of them. And that was so much fun, you know, like, I, I, you know, I kind of, it was a nice moment, you know, on set, you know, like I was doing like the English version and I was like, oh, now Spanish. And then I would do the same text in Spanish and then, oh, now French. And then I would do like this huge text in French and everybody was like kind of impressed. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that nice. was pretty cool. And the campaign looks amazing. I was like dressed as a pilot. We had just this huge studio with like different sets. It was like amazing. I think it's the campaign that I'm like really, really proud of the most, you know? Oh, that sounds so fun, and that's just amazing. I I love your language skills. Uh, let's talk about <laughs> hosting duties. You did every fashion and travel. Tell me about that. What what does it take to be a good host, and did you like that kind of a gig? What what did oh. you think made you excel at that? I don't know. I think just the fact that I understood right from the beginning that you just had to be yourself. You know, there are so many hosts, um, especially, you know, in Mexico, when it comes to being a host on television, uh, most people are like kind of 
old school, you know, like as soon as, oh, okay, I'm a host. It's like, okay, welcome to Mexican Idol or whatever, <laughs> you know, like with that, right. that different voice and everything. And as soon as I started working as a TV host in Mexico, I, I, I never did anything like apart from just being myself. And um, so the camera would start recording and it was just, you know, the same thing that you would see when I was backstage talking to the production people and telling bad jokes, you know? So I think that's what, what really made it happen for me. And um, up, up until this day, a lot of people in Mexico don't know that I sing, you know, because they remember Rodrigo, the host, you know, like the oh, the one that mm. hosted that reality show, oh, the one that hosted that music show. But a lot of them still don't know that I'm also a singer. So that's what that's what I'm struggling to do right now, like sort of uh, show them that that I also have that part with the second album that I'm releasing right now and this new music video. You know, it's it's still coming as a surprise for a lot of people. That's kind of fun, though, to be able to explore that new side and go to your old audience as a whole new audience. So that'll be kind of exciting, too. I mean, it's probably frustrating, too, but it's going to be kind of exciting just to win them back over on that different side of you, I think. Totally. And, and you know, I'm trying to do things that they will remember, you know, like Acabo de Soñar Contigo with the whole gay plot and uh, If I Close My Eyes, which is a sweet video with um, like a lot of marriage proposals. Um, El Mejor Amor Que Nunca He Tenido is a very shocking love story with a twist in the end. Like people, they're already starting to identify me as, oh, it's that singer with all the plot twists in his music videos there's always a plot to this that you that you nice i like it and uh yeah I, I really like writing and i'm very creative and since i'm an actor slash singer i always like being the actor in my music videos you know i'm not going to be one of those singers who oh you know i'm going to do my lip sync and go home and have some actors do the story the story in the music video i want to be the one acting in the story and um, and the stories are always uh, kind of <laughs> surprising when it comes to my music videos. I like adding that that little um, That's amazing. spice. I love that. I love the little spice. Yeah, and yeah, I mean, talking acting, you've done everything. Your your movies. You've been in one of the highest grossing Mexican movies of all time. The television with a series that was distributed in over fifty countries to the stage. Were you in a stage production? You were celebrating three thousand performance mark and one million viewer record when you're on the stage. You've done it all, my friend. You have a particular passion when you do any of those. Do you miss anyone more in particular? Or are you able to try to still move it? moving around while you continue to do music. Wow, it's pretty impressive when I hear you mention them like like one after the other like that, like in less than ten seconds. Anything that I You're pretty impressive, miss, my dude. Think... You're pretty impressive, oh, my you. friend. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. I think if there's something that I miss is um being on stage. I love doing theater. I, I think, you know, anyone who, who is an actor like really, really passionate about this career knows that the authentic acting experience is once you're on stage and working off of everyone's reactions and just um yeah getting that 
that instant feedback from your public, which obviously you don't get when you're doing television or movies. Right, right. And I think I missed that. I kind of missed that when I was in the, the, the one that, that we broke a record with, uh, with the 3000 shows and a million people watching us was uh, this musical called Mentiras. It was something that changed the, the history of theater in Mexico. And it's such an honor just being part of that, that history yeah, you know yeah. um when 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 we celebrated our 10 years uh we uh were on the most important stage in mexico city the one that um you know like the huge international artists go to when they do their their tours uh and there we are you know like a, a theater musical uh it's it's it was something that had never happened before in the history of, of uh, Mexican theater. So yeah, it's, it's really exciting to be part of that. That is so cool. Before we go to music, I want to talk about El Dragon. We got to talk about that. I mean, like you said, 30 countries, I said 18. Talk about your character, <laughs> Piero. I mean, you started out as a kind of a good guy, it looks like, and turned into kind of a bad guy. Yes. I saw a couple episodes. I mean, you're throwing a girl out of a helicopter, um, and then I'm seeing <laughs> the lead character and his guy into some ninja butt. I mean, there's a lot of stuff happening in this yes. show, my friend. It's pretty wild. Talk about that experience. Well, you know, I, I, my best friend here in Canada, he says, well, you guys are all about the drama, and we are, and that's why people are so hooked <laughs> to this show. Uh, we we know how to keep them on the edge of their seats, and I think El Dragon is a very well written show. And you know what's interesting? It's it's that it's kind of a like a hybrid between a telenovela and a, a TV show like series like American Style. And I think that's right. what's working, you know, because we have the best of both worlds, and um, so we we still have those markets that are used to importing Mexican soap operas, but we're like conquering new markets now that we didn't get to before. So we're all very excited. I mean, for us, like I started doing telenovelas, so it's very exciting to see that um, this is happening and that people are so excited about the show. Um, yeah. And this, this character kind of, well, yeah, you can you know right from the beginning that he's a mobster from a very wealthy family in Italy and everything, and you kind of know he's up to no good, but you don't know that he's going to make the lead character's life completely impossible, uh, and all the things that he's going to do towards the end. That was so much fun to do. The helicopter scene, by the way, is my favorite by far. That was wild, my friend. I'm telling you. Very, very cool. <laughs> well, it's a great show. It's available on, on Netflix right now. You can do the English subtitles for it, which is what I have to do because I have no language skills. Thank you very much. But uh, it's a lot of fun. I mean, it's it's very, very cool. All right. I want to transition yeah. to music. We only have about 10 minutes left here, and we got to talk okay. about your new music. I mean, first, I mean, when you start off your first album in 2011, you don't do anything halfway, my friend. 15 pop songs, you wrote all of them. You did an international tour yeah. with it. Uh, how was that yeah. for your first foray into music? Was that kind of fun? 
It was fun. Yeah, it was a dream come true. I mean, I, I had already, I had always wanted to have an album and, and go out and tour and having that first experience uh, was amazing. And yeah, I wrote all 15 songs. Uh, they were very like teen pop, but some of them had some very complex <laughs> feelings. Um and people just related to them so much. It was very exciting to, um, yeah, to, to promote that album. But the thing is that when I released that first album, Unico, in 2011, I, I was like, it was the same time when uh, everything was happening at Televisa with all like hosting TV shows and stuff. So I wasn't 100% focused so yeah I was so excited about everything that was happening in the, ne in the network and unfortunately I decided to, to sort of let the album go for a bit and focus on that mm. well maybe fortunately because that's what built my entire career but yeah I kind of wish go. I had yeah I kind of yeah I, I kind of wish I had put in a little more effort into like promoting the album and continuing the tour and everything uh, but now, you know, I have this second album and, you know, I'm not going to let the same thing happen again. Now my focus is 100% in the album. There is another tour, tour coming up. Uh, we already confirmed five countries in Latin America. And, you know, I'm living in Canada right now and I'm, I have my, my uh, publicist in L.A. So I'm doing a lot of things for the English speaking speaking markets as well. So, yeah, I mean, I have a lot of plans for La Fiesta. Well, that is awesome, and I, it's just, it's great work. And I think it was probably meant to be. I think you needed to focus on other things to get to where you can now do this album kind of as much as you want to and really get it out there to the people, like you said, reinvent yourself, which I think is kind of cool. You have a base audience and now you're going to build on that again. So that's going to make it even more successful this time around. So that's very cool. I like that. Let's totally, go into this. Totally. Let's go into the album a bit. Yeah. We're talking 12 tracks, seven of them in yeah. Spanish, four in Portuguese, one in English. I mean, Man, you are so freaking talented, my friend. I love this. I read some stories that these things have come from everywhere, from a party that got out of control to watching the mountaintops <laughs> to a couple of cocktails. Yeah. I, mean, I, I love that, that you have a very a varied writing process. That's very cool. Talk about this album a little bit. Well, first of all, I must say, Scott, I'm impressed. You really do your homework. <laughs> <'Cause>, <laughs> like, you, you know everything. What the hell? <laughs> I try. It's my job. Yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. <laughs> um, yeah, my inspiration comes from well everywhere. I just my my uh, when it comes to songwriting, I'm not one of those songwriters that will just sit down and be like, okay, today I'm gonna write an album. I, I can't do that. It just has to happen naturally and organically as I go through life. And then, ooh, it turns out I see you know, some kids playing in the playground or whatever, and that will inspire me and that will like trigger some, some chords in my mind. And from there I will write a song. Um, and that's pretty much how this album happened. Uh, it has so many songs uh, ranging from this one that I wrote when I was 18. I wrote the chorus when I was 18 and I finished the song uh, like 14 years later <laughs> so nice. uh yeah it has yeah it has like this really 
uh, unusual combination of songs that go from, yeah, I want to party and I want to have a good time with my friends to, oh, you know, so I, I've been dumped and I am uh, like depressed and I just want to sit down and drink wine or whatever, you know, like this is what, this is what the, the album is, is bringing to people. And I'm sure that whatever, uh, tribe you belong to, you're going to find a song that you can uh, relate to in La Fiesta. I love that. I mean, the two tracks we've seen so far, if I close my eyes, both English and Spanish, as you said, yeah, beautiful about weddings and proposals. The video is amazing with all sorts of different proposals. Thank you so much for including a same-sex proposal, and there are a couple of them, actually. And I think <laughs> yes. it's I'm kind of a sappy person. Um, you're up in Vancouver, so I watch all of the Hallmark movies and stuff. I also am, like, addicted to the flash mobs, the proposal songs. I think your song is going to go huge on that. I mean, Bruno Mars had it in the can for a while, but it's time for Rodrigo to be the, the go-to flash mob proposal song from now on, in my opinion. I hope so. I hope so. I think that well, that was the plan when we wrote that song. You know, I was like, okay, enough of Bruno Mars. We need a different song for marriage proposals. And this song, if I close my eyes, I think it gives you just that. You know, it gives you um, the perfect world, words to tell a person that you want to spend the rest of your life with him or her. And uh, the music video also brings the... Um, I think it was the perfect visual interpretation of that. Just a, a very simple lip sync of me in an abandoned house that we found somewhere in a Mexican village. Uh, and these real proposals uh, from the internet. And like, I've gotten so many messages of people saying, I, you have no idea how much I cried watching this video. And it's amazing. And yeah, of course, of course, I had to include, you know, LGBT proposals as well, you know, both girl and girl, boy and boy. And uh, yeah, I think they just uh, made this video perfect. I love it. It's one of my favorites. It is amazing. But then we get to the title track, La Fiesta, and Hello, um, that is an amazing video. Uh, I don't know how many changes of clothing you did. I think I saw at least six costume <laughs> changes in there and dancing. Yes. Um, amazing, yeah. repre- uh, a good representation. Thank you again for shouting out the LGBT community. It turns out that you like a guy and a girl in there again. So it's just an amazing, <laughs> amazing video. But I'm telling you, the costume changes and the lighting, and this, it was just fantastic. Good job, my friend. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, I had more outfit changes than Cher. It was amazing. It was like <laughs> every five minutes, my uh, stylist would be like, oh, time for a change. And I was like, really? <laughs> you know, I've, I've worn everything. But, um, yeah, it was fun. It was fun. And I think visually it was very different from everything I had done before because I was sort of like going towards more like love songs and, and I had like my, my, my shirt and my jacket and, you know, and now it was like, okay, so like the Rodrigo, like the pop star who sings reggaeton and who dances and, and so we had to change everything visually. Uh, I dyed my hair for the first time in my life. Um, I dared to wear things that I wasn't very comfortable with, to be honest. I have to tell you the truth like that. 
that there was this one. You're not thing a sparkly sequin shirt kind of guy. Is that what you're telling me? Right no. Now? Shocked, shocked, I said. <laughs> no. <laughs> not That's at funny. all. Not at all. <laughs> um, yeah, all of that was like the stylist had had to go through a big process of convincing me to wear all those <laughs> things. But now that I see the results. I love it. And like the sexy scenes, like under the shower with a girl and a boy and, you know, like so many things that happen there. I just, um, yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. Uh, and I think it's a very sexy video and uh, oh, yeah. the song is very catchy. I'm very excited about this single and people are very excited as well. Well, we're going to play out in about a couple of seconds, but we are totally out of time. I could have you on forever. you got to call in more often, my friend. I'm loving all your stuff. <laughs> For and sure. It's been great getting that. to know you. All right. Well, yeah, let's give everyone uh, where they can find, give everyone <laughs> your YouTube um, and your where they can follow you on social media and where they can find these videos at. Yeah, um, you can you can find me on social media as Rodrigo Massa. That's M A S S A, and uh, I, I especially would like to invite you guys to check out my YouTube channel and all those LGBT videos that I mentioned. Uh, just look for uh, Rodrigo Massa La Fiesta on YouTube. You'll see the the latest one. Uh, just write a little comment saying that. Scott sent you, and um, <laughs> you'll be very welcomed into all my um, social media. Well, Rigo, you are a joy to have on the show. I mean, you're talented as all hell, and you got a million-dollar smile that I hope my listeners will go check out these videos because <laughs> your smile is amazing. You're Thank a you. nice guy, and I wish you all the luck in the world, my friend. Thank you. Yeah, I'm a very smiley person. I smile all the time. <laughs> it was a pleasure to be here, Scott. Thank you so much, and I hope this is the first of many. There you go. Well, stay on the line for me, Rodrigo. We're going to play out to La Fiesta, the title track of the upcoming album. I'll be back in this little bit. We're going to have Matt Stern. We're going international. We're going back to Canada again for Matt Stern on the other side of this. But here is La Fiesta from Rodrigo Massa.
stretch of land in front of me. Turn my head in time to see the sky shift above the trees. When I feel there's something wrong and I can't keep moving along. in disguise in a way for that part of it at least being able to dive in 
and it's kind of fun to connect and everything for a little bit until you want to kick each other out of the house. But you, you're like me. You like to wander around to get a little me time from time to time, I hope, during this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I um, I try to go into nature at least once a day if I can because I find since this all started, it really puts things into perspective to be – I mean, we're so lucky where I am. We're by the ocean, right? So you just go to the ocean and you just kind of like zoom out of your situation and get peaceful. There I find. you go. I love it. I, luckily, we have so many lakes nearby. I feel the exact same way. I'm a water person to begin with. I love a mm-hmm. nice – body of water growing up in the beach and everything. So I hear you on that. How mm-hmm. has the government in Canada been doing? You're from the great white North, of course. How have you feel your government's been handling it up there? Well, yeah, quite different from you guys down there for sure. <laughs> also <laughs> like you guys, though, it varies from province to province here. So uh, like for instance, I was doing a little stint working in a daycare and daycares closed in other provinces, but they stayed open in British Columbia for a while um, because it's considered an essential service for healthcare workers, things like that. Um, And then our prime minister, Justin Trudeau was giving daily briefings. I think he still is. And we were all on the edge of our seats to find out what measures he'd be taking. And then he announced that he'd be closing. You probably heard about this, but he closed the borders to international travel except for Americans. And that was just at the time we were starting to build in the States and everyone was like, what? <laughs> but it's, com- <laughs> it's complex, right? And I think that that's changed exactly. since it changes daily, just like it does for you guys. Just It's exactly. always constantly Exactly, and everyone evolving. does little wacky things like that. I remember that uh, that he did keep America. Like, we closed to China first, and then we closed to Europe except for the U.K. and except for, like, it's like, why why are we doing exceptions? I don't understand. Yeah, I agree with you, Scott. I, I felt like since the beginning, if everyone was just, if the messaging had been really clear and across the board, like, let's lock it down for a month. I think they did that in places like New Zealand, I heard, and, and some right. Asian countries that were prepared for this because they've had similar experiences like Singapore and Hong Kong. They've, yeah, there's been much more of a clear line, not a let's wait and see approach so much. Exactly. And you have a lot of friends. You've traveled in uh, different Asian countries. You have friends there. How How is that affecting them? Have you been able to keep in contact? Yeah, well, as you know, um, I have a, a lot of friends in Japan, and I was supposed to go back to Japan this year. Actually, I was in talks to go play as part of the Olympics even, um, so I've been in touch with some Japanese friends and there actually I heard a strange thing from my friend Yuka in Japan because she said that they had closed down things to kids, but not to adults. At least when I spoke to her, which was about two weeks ago, things like movie theaters, cafes and restaurants were all still open, except really? kids were prohibited of, from going, which seemed counterintuitive because as we've heard, kids aren't aren't the most vulnerable in this situation. Exactly. So, yeah, it's kind of my- mystical with what's going on. That is a little strange. Yeah, it's, it's, you think it'd be flip flop there. Let the kids run free and <laughs> keep the old folks at home. But I don't know. I, everyone but everyone's scrambling, right? Exactly. Yeah. The good thing is we're getting through it. We've been healthy. So uh, knock on yeah. wood, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you're feeling well, and I'm glad it gives you a chance to really. Connect even more to music because you have been so busy, and it's got to be nice just to to have that breather to kind of really concentrate on what you want to do, right? 
Yeah, and you know, Scott, I've talked to other artist friends, other musician friends, who also, it's there's it's such a universal theme to have the time to be creative, um, because in our normal lifestyle, it just doesn't lend itself to that. You always have to f- fight for it. So, yeah, and in many ways, I, even aside from creative endeavors, I always value being able to live more slowly, and this definitely allows for that. Right. And usually there's there's the cycle involved before, right? There's not just the creation, creative creativity process or the creation process, but then there's the polishing process and there's a the promoting process and all this other stuff that goes with it. Here you mm-hmm. kind of just have that one area to kind of be a little serene about and really concentrate on one area, which has got to be a little fulfilling, I think. Yeah, well, the promotion side is where people like you come in, right? Because it's really helpful exactly. what, what you do. You, you you spread the message and the creation so much further. And actually, even before this all went down, I was thinking a lot because I think, as you know, I don't perform. I don't tour a whole lot. I do a lot more studio work. Um, I love right. performing, but it's just, again, a kind of lifestyle thing. It's Logistically, it's always hard to plan tours. It takes a lot of resources. So yep. I was already looking a lot into sharing the music online with music videos and with radio. And now I find that which was already my intention has become really sort of the norm out of necessity anyway. So I find people are pretty receptive to it. Yeah. I've been talking to all my guests uh, in the entertainment field, be it music or acting or, or even um, people that are fitness trainers. And this is going to become the new norm for a while. Everyone is learning these different platforms that have available. They're kind of learning different ways of financing through Venmo and through PayPal's for tipping and things. But mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a whole new ball game because I don't think large arenas, even for the people that do tour are going to be coming back anytime soon. So they mm-hmm. have to learn to do the smaller promotion and the streaming and things like that. Um, I, I teased about TikTok a while back. Huh. Do you, en- you like doing the live videos? Do you enjoy that part? Are you learning that uh, kind of dynamic? Well, I think TikTok, TikTok as I was, I was telling you um, earlier, um, kind of, I was really reluctant about it at first. I didn't really know what it was, but I think it's exploded during this time because everyone's stuck at home and it's very creative. Um, I think, yeah, the creative possibilities are endless. So I find myself doing things that I don't usually do publicly, like dancing, acting, doing accents. I usually stick to my, like, stick to my day job and sing, you know, but I, I love all that. And I love all forms of expression. And if I would just say the dark side as always is with social media, it really becomes, if you're not careful, it becomes so, so ego driven and so much about validation seeking, getting likes and people, some right. like kids, millions of kids across the world want to become TikTok famous as their main aspiration. So that terrifies me a little, but um, yeah, if, if you use it thoughtfully and, I mean, just as a resource, as an application for creating little creative snippets, I love it, you know? Right, right. No, I hear you on that. And what have you thought? I mean, I have a, quite a few artists that have come on recently that are doing weekly live streamings, um, sharing their music, um, doing a back-and-forth interaction with their fans, getting, like I said, some tips online or something like that. Is that something you may think about doing in the future? Yeah, actually, I did one pretty soon into it. I just sort of experimented with it. Um, There's a Facebook group that was started here called Get Down with the Lockdown, 
It was started by a couple in Victoria, and then it blew up to 50,000 members because, again, everybody's wow. bored and restless. And the <laughs> the mandate they have is to have uplifting content, right? So I did something with them, and um, they just asked me – actually, it's funny you ask now because they just asked me yesterday to do another one on April 28th. So I'm going to plan for that. I'll do it from my living room or from my balcony some, somewhere kind of fun. And yeah, I'm looking forward to that. It's, it's like you say, it's, we're learning to adjust to these circumstances and it forces us to be creative. Right. And we need the connection. I mean, literally we're doing this to get connection with others. We want to our, mm-hmm. our gifts, uh, your gift of music, my gift of talking to people, um, we need we need that expression to to give it out as much as people need to hear it, right? It, it yeah. does something feeds our soul as well. Yeah, I completely agree. I always have the image of a circle, like it completes the circle. Like if you just have things to express and to share, and then they fall on deaf ears, or you have no 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 one receiving them, then it's a it's a frustration, right? You're kind of like I have I don't exist. <laughs> Right. So right. You, yeah. Exactly. So you need to complete that circle to get the connection. Well, I want to talk. Go into the album a little bit here. You were so nice to send me a preview copy earlier, um, and, and you always do things so well with your the way you tie little bows and everything on it. It's always <laughs> so nice. But uh, talk about the creation of this album. Um, it, it took a while to put together for you. I think each song was well thought out. Uh, I love, like I said, I love that you can do the Chicago sound and you can do these real intimate sounds mm. as well. Talk about your songwriting process and how this album came about. Yeah, well, I'd say intimate is something that always comes naturally to me because usually when I write songs, I'm feeling really intimate about something. And But I always have had this other side to me that's really like, I'm so bent about living fully and really, and I want that to be expressed through the music too. Um, so I'm really fortunate to have found a good producer here who's really intuitive and he did my last album and this one. And I think on the first day he said, do you want horns maybe tentatively? And I was like, horns? Yes. All the horns. (laughs) (laughs) So we had fun and he has all the, like he, he's really sensitive to the references of like to make it sound not cheesy, but actually soulful and vibrant. And the musicians are great too. Um, the songs, the process, it's always a mystery that kind of unravels. And usually the first step is carving out the space and time to be like, okay, I have these songs are begging for attention. And like to refer back to what you were saying before, now I have all the time in the world, but in normal life circumstances, I really have to make a concerted effort to be like, okay, the next two weeks I'm spending just diving into my repertoire, seeing what's ready, completing other songs. So that's how I started. And the big surprise was that the songs that I ended up including, a lot of them were really from the vault. They were from like over a decade ago, songs that I had written pieces of, then forgotten about. Some of them were just like little melodies, but there was something about them that was capturing my attention. So yeah, that was completely unplanned, but a lot of these songs, more than half of them are from another era of my life that I kind of refurbished and breathed new life into. That's very cool. I love that. And you have a couple of releases now. Talk about those, and then we'll get into the video in a second. But talk about these first two releases. Um, Don't Tell Me was the first one out, or which was the first one that you released? Yeah. 
Uh, don't tell me. So the fun thing about this album, too, is because, as you know, I'm from Montreal, so I speak French, and I love singing in French, too. So there's two songs in French on the album that I released simultaneously with the first English single. So the big, the sort of national radio station here, CBC or Radio-Canada in French, they released one English song and one French song. Um, and yeah, Don't Tell Me was the English song. And that what was really exciting about that is that was back in at the beginning of February in pre-COVID times. <laughs> and they, <laughs> they syndicated it, which was really exciting for me. So that means they, they broadcast it all over the country. They programmed it w- with the morning shows and then they, the morning shows all over, way up north, everywhere in the Maritimes could decide whether they wanted to include it in their programming and a lot did so that's i love i love the idea that the songs are just flying out there for people that have never heard of me before to experience and how are you coming with the ideas with the videos i know you um collaborate with your boyfriend a lot earlier in the first album are you Mm. working with a different team now because i know he's been so busy with his work or how are these videos Mm. coming to you well so Actually, just before um, quarantine happened, started here, I was going to film a next music video in Vancouver, and that was canceled. So Brandon, my boyfriend, and I got creative, and we, on one of these nature visits, we just took some shots of cherry blossoms, the ocean, things like that, and we got a little bit experimental, and I was able to add a bit of a graphic novel effect. So that was just a totally homespun project, and... The one that's coming up now um, is also, this started because a good friend, Leah, spontaneously sent me a video of just about 10 seconds of her dancing at home to, to the song you played earlier, Take It or Leave It. And I just loved it. And I thought that could be the music video, just her dancing at home in her living room. Um, and she suggested that I open the call to other people. And it did occur to me that a lot of people are doing these home videos like TikToks and live concerts so it really it's really beneficial to them too to have something just fun and lighthearted to do so i put out the call feeling like i didn't know what kind of response i'd get and i got some really great and varied responses so the music video is actually a compilation of everybody dancing at home or in nature and i love that idea i mean i, I you gave me a little sneak peek and you have young and old uh, everyone is just living their best life. How fun was it? Yeah. How many submissions did you get? I got, actually, I think the ones that I ended up including were the ones, it was kind of a first come first serve thing. So I think there's about 10 to 15 people in it. And there were more people that would have done it. My mom even suggested I have a, like a future iteration of it if as for submissions that keep coming in. Um, yeah, I had to right. set a boundary at some point because the video was getting finalized. Um, so you never know. Maybe with the the further submissions, we'll be able to make more. Nice, nice. I like it. That is just so cool. And uh, we have, I love the full moon video. I mean, just the imagery alone, all the horses and the flowers mm. and the masks. Um, how did that one come about? Where was that shot? I love that bridge. Ugh. Oh, yeah. The, the bridge was kind of the first image we had in mind. That was with two friends, um, Daniel and Lucas, who are both from Slovakia, who now live here and are filmmakers. We also had an experimental approach. Um, we honed in on that song because they really, it really resonated with them. And well, I love it too, of course. <laughs> and we decided, instead of having a, a really articulated script, we decided to just go to a, 
a town close to Victoria called Duncan, which is really pretty small town, pretty rural. And we had a few locations, kind of like eerie haunting locations, including that bridge. And actually another location we tried to film at was a church and we got banished when we were there. We got chased away. <laughs> oh, you're <laughs> kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, that reminds so, me of what was that one video you did at a mall or something where you had to go before they closed or something and you were walking around with that one of my favorite songs. Oh yeah, that's that one the video for keeps me awake. That was yeah, yeah we had a very, stri- very strict timeline for that because things close early here. Right. Yeah. So that becomes <laughs> part of the process, right? You you work within the limitations, and it leads you in surprising directions. So yeah, I love how that video turned out. It's really, really captures the mood of the song, which is always what I look for most. Right. What are your plans? Um, do, you, do you want to keep doing singles at a time? I mean, you get the whole album now, though, too, can't you? Or are you only releasing singles right now? The album's already available. I don't tend to do things the way you're supposed to, I find, <laughs> because I know the, <laughs> the protocol is to release a few singles and teasers for the album and then release the whole album. But um, I just – well, as you know, because I, I sent you an album, I, I'm really inspired by the idea of – music being a gift and even if that can sound like a cliche that's really how I feel that it's like you just and like we were saying earlier you want to complete the cycle so you want you want people to have access to it I don't want to make access to my music difficult in any way so so I like making it as easily accessible Um, obviously making that making that commercially viable and all those questions has never been my strong suit (laughs) so I learn as I go but for now, well, it's my... not where you come from. You come totally from the heart, my friend. I mean, yeah, it's nice that you can make money off it, and that's the goal down the line. But you do music for the sheer love of doing music, of creating, and your heart is so pure. And and just not just creating your music, but just creating in general, creating a great universe. That mm. that's that's better than having to worry about the monetary thing. That'll come down the line eventually because hearts like yours just naturally people gravitate towards it and that's why you're getting all this recognition well the fact that you can that you feel all that that's that says it all like that's that's my highest hope you know that that would be the message that comes across it does and it does well my friend um what do you um are you spending time writing more music now are we in that promotion phase still for this one or what where are you at um in your head right now what are you getting any ideas that are kind of prickling and writing down to come back to later or what is yeah. what is your days like tons well i guess the the freedom to just follow whatever instinct is there whether it be to make a silly dance video or to write a new song is lending itself to that so i do find i have a couple of new songs that are exciting and the puzzle right now is how to take them to the next step because you know obviously I can't go into a studio physically so the open question is how to develop those with long distance collaborations you know either other musicians Mm -hmm. that I know in other cities that I can send them to or producers Um, so I'm thinking about that a lot right now I have especially two new songs that I that are kind of inspired by the circumstances that I'd love to develop further that would be amazing. And I love those those dual um, songs where, like, the, the young and the old, like the Nat King Cole and Natalie Cole and those kind of things that are mm. done in different time periods, but you can do it with, the, with currently with the technology now. And I think that would be kind of awesome to mix That's your true. voice with some people. Who would, 
who would be some dream collaborators for you? Anyone on your radar you're looking to hook up with? Well, I have um, I have my very first producer, Jean-Sébastien, in Montreal. And we talked, last time I was visiting, we talked about doing some new stuff together. I also have a friend, Sam, in Philadelphia, who's a great musician. We haven't had the chance to collaborate yet. And we were waiting for a chance to be in the same city. So, yeah, this is an opportunity for all that. I mean, I always love the idea of collaborating with some really fantastic singers. Like some of my favorite singers are like Lauren Hill, Sade, Tracy Chapman, just like, just really, again, singers totally from the heart, you know? Right, so right. No, maybe exactly. I should send them some stuff. I think you should. I think yeah. it, it, it's worth anybody's voice, my friend. Yours is just as prolific and just as wonderful as any of the aforementioned artists you did there, so. You. All you can do is dream. It doesn't hurt to dream, right? Yeah, and kind of get out, get out of your own way, and just just follow the exactly. follow the threads. Well, speaking of that, where are you hoping to go? I mean, we had such a great time in Palm Springs, and you had a that was a a working vacation for you. You got to visit some good friends. You got to meet some people and go on another radio interview there. Talk about mm-hmm. how that was last year, and do you have any goals if we could ever get out of Corona twenty twenty? <laughs> Yeah, what was what I loved about that trip, I mean, so many things, but I had never been in the middle of the, the desert in Palm Springs, and the landscape was so stark and new for me. And we went to um, a show in the middle of the desert, saw one of my favorite singers, Patty Griffin, and and actually I started recording pretty soon after that, right? So that was all fresh. That that the juices right. were really flowing. So it's true that going on adventures like that really helps stimulate creativity. So yeah, that is a really interesting open question. I, there's so many places I'd love to go, and I think people are going to be euphoric about traveling after this when it becomes possible. So, I mean, I have my sights on still on Japan. I have some friends in, in Europe that I'd love to go see, and and I love getting to speak French and Spanish, so um, also in Latin America. And again, every every time you're speaking another language and in a different landscape – the possibilities are totally fresh. So, yeah, I'm going to let that percolate. Yeah, I was. I told myself in the beginning of this that I was going to learn a language, and then I got so busy doing interviews I didn't do it. I feel bad because I probably do have the time, but I, I wanted to uh, – I took four years of Spanish, and I remember about 12 words that I don't remember how to conjugate. So That's what I happens, need, right? I need a refresher course. <laughs> need the refresher course. <laughs> yeah, you know, there's the whole school of thought about how we should relieve ourselves of the pressure to be productive and and have to learn a language, have to write the next hit novel or whatever. <laughs> You're also allowed. Exactly. Though there has been you know, a, I've been that has been talked about greatly that people are putting too much stress on themselves during this time. It's like you have enough stress already. Why kind of stress yourself out saying you have to do something? But yeah, uh, so I, I, I understand to keep, where it's coming from. Yeah, it's like a fine line between inspiration and then pressure, I find. Right. I find out there'll be right. an idea Very like true. that. Like, let's let's work on my Spanish, and then it'll be like, no, I have to work on my Spanish, and then it's paralyzing. <laughs> so you have to kind of like. <laughs> Very good. Well, we need to start wrapping things up here. Tell everyone what uh, the next couple of goals are and what's in store from now. I think we're having uh, t- today as a release of a brand new single, right? Yeah, so. That's the music video, Take It or Leave It, uh, which is really delightful, I find. And I hesitate to use words like 
infectious, <laughs> but like it's the joy in it is infectious. And um, oh, just then, seeing all those people though—they're so cute. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Everybody's having so much fun and being themselves, being natural. That's my favorite thing. And then I'm gonna do an online concert uh, April 28th at 7 p.m. and that'll be on Facebook and Instagram Live. I'll make—I'll try to make it pretty clear on my pages that's going on and and then yeah i'll share as soon as i have more more experimental videos and more more songs to share as i work work through how to develop them there you go well i appreciate you just sharing your talents and do it more often my friend we could use the uplifting uh, moments from time to time so thank you for doing what you're doing keep creating and it's my pleasure to be able to talk to you tonight my friend me too, and thank you for doing what you're doing too. It's, it's a big part of it too. I appreciate it. Let everyone know where they can find you on social media and where they can pick up this wonderful music. Yeah, uh, my handle on pretty much everything is Matt Stern Music, M-A-T-T-S-T-E-R-N Music. Uh, so that's Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, my my website is mattstern.com. It's pretty straightforward. And I'm also, you can find me on Apple Music, on um, Google Play, on uh, Spotify. So, yeah, just my name. It's two syllables, so it's easy. There you go. Well, tell that big bear of a man of yours that I miss our morning coffee chats over the pool, and we're going to have to start doing oh, some yeah. Skype together here. Definitely. Yeah, <laughs> well, I know he does, too. Well, Matt too. would stay up all night and sleep in. Uh, Brandon and I would have our morning coffee chats. They were very nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, my friend. Well, uh, I appreciate you so much. Thanks for coming on the show. Stay on the line for me. We're going to play out with Matt's single, Full Moon, which I love the video for. Be sure to go check that out on his YouTube channel. We'll be back in a little bit. You're listening to the Left of Straight show on the Left of Straight radio network.
The truth of the matter, no matter how long I've been chasing disaster, it's time that I moved on for the next best mistake for my heart to make. So was last night the last time or the time before last? I really don't remember where I was going so fast or who's the next stop on the way We are back. That was Waiting for Love for my next guest. Guys, he's a singer-songwriter and advocate for the LGBTQ community whose music has been nominated for such recognition as Best Songwriter, Artist of the Year, and Best Country Folk Song of the Year by the LGBTQ Academy of Performing Arts. He shared the stage with such great talents as Billy Porter, Tegan and Sarah, and, of course, a great friend of our show, Margaret Cho. His advocacy has become a passion against conversion therapy 
and its newest single, American Nightmare, just might be the perfect anthem for what we're going through these past few months. Please welcome to the show for the very first time, Mr. Justin Utley. Justin, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. Thank you. How are you? I am doing fantastic. It's so nice to have you on the show. Um, I didn't get to talk yeah, about it off air, but I don't know if your ears were burning last night or not. But I had my good friend Bruce Hart on the radio show last night. We talked about saltwater off oh. air for a couple of minutes. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's why I couldn't sleep. Okay, I get it. <laughs> there you go. There you go. He had that's only awesome. good things that's to say. Awesome. He had only good things to say. But uh, yeah, it was funny. I I, I didn't realize it until I'll I was send doing him his research. check in the mail later. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't, I didn't even realize you guys knew each other until I saw um, doing a little bit of research on you. It's like, well, wait a second. We just talked about that last night <laughs> and how nice you right were. On. Right on. Thank you. Well, very cool. I appreciate uh, you coming on to the show. How are you holding up in Corona 2020? Where are you hold up at? Um, right now I am hunkered down in Salt Lake City, Utah. It's where my most of my family is, and so I'm checking on them. And uh, It's a little less um, – on lockdown than New York per se, um, a little, right. little, uh, a little looser than I'm, than I'm really comfortable with. Um, there's quite a movement here of anything goes type of thing, you know, like the government's not going to mm. tell me what to do, type of thing. And so there's a little bit of a, little bit of a pushback here. But um, in any case, it's it's going it's going well. The hospitals and the healthcare systems here in, in uh, Salt Lake City um, are top notch, and they were on the ball. Um, fairly quickly and so we haven't really seen a huge spike yet um we're kind of pausing for a bit of a round three um as far as the the uh the lift goes um but we we think right. we flattened it pretty well so yeah nice ahead, that sorry. gives you a little bit of downtime i'm sure you don't have much downtime in between so it's got to be a, a kind of welcome yet unwelcome break right yeah yeah a lot of the gigs have for prides have canceled and stuff. And so that was a little disheartening, but at the same time, it's given me a lot of time to finish um, a lot of songs that I had been working on in the last year, year and a half. So, um, so I'm getting some new stuff out and, and working on some new stuff and then getting some gigs lined up for next fall. There you go. Well, yeah. We just heard yesterday, of course, that New York pride was canceled along with San Diego and San Francisco that are definitely canceled for the year. Uh, here in Columbus, yeah. we have a very big, I think we have the second biggest pride in the Midwest at, uh, here, and we were postponed back to October, so we're hoping that'll still happen. And then I go to Palm Springs oh, every yeah. year for a month. Theirs is usually not till November, so we should still be okay there. But yeah, yeah hopefully yeah. we can get this. I understand people wanting to get back to work and everything, but we definitely have to do it safely, and we have to kind of pay attention to everything out there. So I understand the uneasiness. Yeah, we have to do it the people. right way. Exactly. Yeah. Very well said. Very cool. Well, give everyone a little bit of background. Tell them about where you grew up, what kind of a kid were you, and what did you first want to be when you grew up? <laughs> uh, well, I wanted to be a rock star when I, when I was a kid. Um, nice. After the phase of I want to be what my dad is when I grow up, after that phase was gone. Um, <laughs> I grew up here in Salt Lake City and was basically like any typical Mormon family kid, uh, we were pretty strict as far as the religion goes. And, you know, all of our neighbors were of the same congregation and in the same faith. Everyone in my school growing up from elementary to high school, most of them 
most of them were members of the, the LDS church as well. So there really wasn't any reason to go to a private school because everyone was already Mormon. So, right. um, <laughs> and kind of my dad was, was a really active part of my life. It still is. We're on a great, we have a great relationship now. Um, I, he was scoutmaster for like 500 years, so <laughs> I was like nice. into scouting from the day one. And and uh, my mom is uh, here in Salt Lake as well. She's um, she's half Italian, so she's got a she's got some spice to her. And she, I'm the middle of three boys, and so middle child syndrome is a real thing. She would just tell us to go back in the backyard and kill each other and come back when we're done. <laughs> it was pretty normal, typical American family, and. Uh, um, with some uniqueness here and there with the religion, but um, I kind of, you know, I had bro crushes growing up, but I didn't understand what they were, if they were just admiration or, or what, but uh, soon into my, my Mormon mission, which is a two-year proselytizing conversion mission that you do for the Mormon church to try to get people to join, um, soon after that, I, I realized I was actually gay, and I tried to come out to my bishop here in Salt Lake, and he told me that I wasn't gay, that it's just a disorder and it's you're only gay if you act gay and that they can fix this. And so I went through two years of conversion therapy um, through the church, which was a one-on-one therapist with a specialist um, sessions and also group therapy uh, down near BYU, Brigham University. So there are a lot of guys my age kind of going through the same thing, which really helped me at the beginning because I didn't feel so alone anymore. And that's a huge huge contributor to the suicide rate here in Utah um, is, is right. uh, conversion therapy. Um, suicide is actually the leading cause of death in youth and young adults here in Utah. And so it's, a, it's been a, it's been a focus of mine while I'm here to try to save that and then and, and do what I can to help diminish that, uh, that statistic. Um, they're doing a really good job. There's a, there's a number of organizations here that are, that are, that are, um, doing a huge, huge part in that. Equality Utah and the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention are working together to, to do that on a task force, and they're, they're awesome. Um, oh, that's great. Going through that was, was, was a really difficult time. Um, at the beginning, like I said, it was great to not feel so alone anymore, but, you know, a year, year and a half into it, nothing's changing, and just being told that, you know, it might not change at all until the next life, that's just not, that's not workable. That's not it's not feasible. It's not a way to live. Um, and it's basically a, a scapegoat or a cop out basically for a lie that I was served. And, um, about a year into a year and a half into it, I was told, well, you're probably experiencing this due to childhood trauma. Um, and they basically had me convinced for a while that I had been molested repeatedly as a child and just didn't remember because it was so horrific. And so they doped me up on a bunch of medications to try to stave off the PTSD they said I must have, why I behaved the way I did. Um, and so I believed that and I ran with that. And, you know, it, it, took a, it took a while for me to realize that this was just a bunch of, bunch of bullshit, basically, and that right. I needed to break well, free and find a new path. I want you to let, me, let me go back for one second here and let you finish this up because yeah. I have lots of friends that are on the show that are Mormon and have come out and gone through a little conversion therapy. But you said something that I've never asked before, and I want to ask you real quick. Um, where they say that sure. something happened traumatic in your youth. How do your parents and relatives and family feel about that when they're kind of getting the blame for this? Does it talked about with them? Because I've always kind of wondered that side of it. Right. Well, so for 
for a religion and a and a basically a, a the teachings surrounding it are supposedly to bring families together. This this process and what the leaders have said about it um, is is basically it tore my family apart. I mean, I, I was told by them not to come out as gay because once you come out, you can't go back in and to just come out that I had been molested and I was dealing with some aftershocks as, as that, as that would go um, with therapy. And, um, you know, basically when I finally did come out, they blamed themselves as, as a lot of the dogma teaches. Um, they still won't accept the fact that people are homosexual. They, they, you know, the, the church leaders still call them so-called homosexuals or those dealing with same gender attraction problems. So they mm-hmm. take the identity yeah. and the dignity of somebody that, that could be accepted as a gay person or a lesbian or transgender. They take away those, those identity markers and, and dignity and any kind of social aspect you could have to it or a sense of belonging and erase it from you. Um, and it's a really, a bare place to be and it's it's humiliating experience to kind of go through that um and so when i came out to my family um you know my dad went to some therapy and they told him basically the same thing like it was because of you know you weren't there enough as a father or and my mother was told that she wasn't a good enough mother and and things like that and it it wasn't it wasn't healthy it wasn't true um and i had to kind of go through you know some of that trauma over again because I had to explain to them that they had nothing to do with who, with that part of my life. And that it's just been the way I am. Um, but it took them right. a while to come around and they've been, they've been a tremendous support. Um, but yeah, the, 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 the church leaders have a long way to go before they embrace um, science and medical knowledge. As far as this is concerned, right. they're still holding yeah, on to a lot of 1950s dogma. Exactly. I don't know why I haven't asked that before, but like I said, I have lots of friends that have come out from the Mormon religion and Mormon really is the most people that send their kids to conversion therapy, just for all the people I've talked to. That's non scientific, of course, but a lot of Mormons yeah. have sent them to conversion therapy, but I've never really asked that question before because almost all of them said the same thing where they're told that something happened to them. They were abused as a kid or something. It's like most of the Mormons I know are pretty close with their families. Now, most of the gay Mormons I know, how did the families deal yeah. with that being told they were part of the blame? I just think that's, uh, that's just very weird to me. I don't understand that. Very yeah. strange. Yeah, and it's, and it's a, you know, it's a, it's a burden placed on the parents, you know, especially in a community of, of, you know, well, what happened? What, what did you fail as, as a parent to have your son or daughter not be a member of the church anymore or that they're, or that they're gay, you know? You you let right. them fail as a parent, so that it's the blame is kind of put on the parents on that, and that that type of thinking came down directly from the leaders of the church at one point. So you know a lot of a lot of backtracking and, and uh, gaslighting actually is taking place. Where you know my dad even said at one point, like, yeah, I don't know why, as a culture, we just didn't accept this before. And I'm like, because your leaders didn't want you to, like. Right. Do I need to revisit like the last fifty years of of conference talks and <laughs> preaching and you know it's right there in black and white. That's why. Um, so it's a bit of a and how has that formed your advocacy? What going. have you been able to do to speak out and how does that uh, how does that focus on your life? Because you've done a lot of great talks on that and everything. Talk about how it's well, activated you. you. Um, well, it, it just came from sharing my story, just 
off the bat. I had moved to um, New York City um, right after I released my first album, Runaway. And I started talking about my experiences of why I wrote some of the songs that I did. And it really started connecting with the community to where I started getting bookings. I was actually playing more shows outside of New York City than in New York and started traveling a ton. <laughs> Um, and I could see the difference that it was making in people's lives and really how it was impacting others that had been into the same situation that I had. And maybe not specifically, but, you know, there was a lot more empathy going on than just sympathy. And I could feel I could feel that reaching out to people, um, that it was reaching people. And, and so I just started speaking out more and more about it and then not allowing – not allowing myself to be silenced about it because I, I saw how how widespread this disease of conversion therapy had spread and in its different forms and different marketing tactics and that it's still still happening. Um, right. But I you know I could see how it was ruining people's lives and and stunting people's relationship growth and I just don't want to see that happen to anyone. And so I kind of as a change agent um, by birth. <laughs> Um, always asked the, I've always asked the question, you know, why is it this way? Why is it not that way? You know, what's, what's the purpose of this? And so that's kind of gotten to me where I'm at. I, 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 I'm not satisfied with the status quo, and I want things to change for the better. There you go. I appreciate your passion and your work on that. Who was the first person you actually came out to? Was it, was it to your uh, leader in the church leadership, or was it to a friend? Or No, yeah, it was to a, it was to a church leader. That's when he told me that I wasn't gay, that I was just suffering from a from a disorder or, or uh, you know, he said I must have been Trauma. exposed to pornography yeah. as a child or something like that, and oh, which in my case would have been like the Sears catalog. <laughs> so <laughs> no, nah, it's like not. I remember not that. Believe me, I'm of certain age. Sears and Monkey Wards, I remember. <laughs> yep, yep. Very much so. <laughs> And talk about the first time you were able that you felt embraced by the LGBT community. It was after I had moved to New York City, um, being asked by Utah Pride to fly back and perform at my hometown Pride, and that was when I really felt like, you know, things had kind of come 360. That it just really, you know, full circle, and and I had been, I don't know, for myself it was more of a, a self-realization than, than anything else, but it was that I had been embraced by my own. And that was a really, really beautiful moment for me. I bet. No, it's great. I love that. And talk about um, where this music influence come from. Was there a lot of music in the house growing up? Where, what was your musical um, influences growing up? And where did, where did this love of music come from? Do you think? <laughs> Well, it came from, um, in my early days, it came from vinyl. My parents had a bunch of records, and um, I had listened to a lot of Billy Joel, which is kind of where I got my percussiveness on the piano from. Um, I started playing by ear after after I got fired from piano lessons in sixth grade, I think. <laughs> Cause I had, fired I was from supposed piano to play, lessons, that's a story. I like that. <laughs> yeah, I, I was supposed to play the theme song from Superman as a recital, and I did, but I played my version, which was a lot better <laughs> i think it wasn't so methodical and boring. there you go usually people and, quit piano lessons you got fired that's a great story i love yeah that. <laughs> yeah my my piano teacher went to my parents and she's like i can't teach him anymore he's fired <laughs> like he needs to just do his own thing so nice. um so a lot of 
lot of Billy Joel. I listened to Beatles a lot growing up um, and then kind of found my niche to sing because um, I was actually not very good at all. I, I remember trying to write a song once when I was in junior high school and my parents were kind of like, yeah, that's really great piano playing. Maybe you should stick to that, you know. <laughs> so I just started <laughs> nice, listening nice to the radio a lot. And, yeah, I know. <laughs> Thanks, Mom. Um, they'll totally deny ever saying that, but it's totally true. Uh, but I listened to the radio a lot and tried to match my voice. And I, I tried to figure out like, how does say you know, Eddie Vedder sing differently than he just talks? Because there's a lot of people that kind of talk sing and I wanted to find my own voice, something unique, something that you could hear and know that it's, that it's me. Um, and so, cause there's a lot of music out there and it's great music, but you know, the singer could be any one of 20 different people because it just kind of sounds so manufactured and, 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 and similar to other artists, what they're doing. Um, and I, so I wanted to find my own little niche, and I found that and just kind of ran with it. And um, so I was listening to that time. I was listening to a lot of alternative rock, um, still kind of holding on to some of the Beatles stuff, but uh, exploring more into, like, alternative pop and rock. And, um, and so this new album, Scars, um, Oh, let me back up. So the, the first two albums were kind of a more Americana, Americana rock pop, a little bit country on the second one, kind of folksy coming from my roots in Utah and the acoustic guitar. And then, so this third album, Scars, I really wanted to push myself outside of my own comfort zone, I guess I should say. Um, musically and personally, I had, I had grown. I felt outside of those boundaries, and I really wanted to to do something different um, and and try some different genres. And so that's why on this new album you hear, you know, one song I'm already down is, is extremely Beatlesque. Um, and uh, American nightmare, as you'll hear is very nine inch nails driven. You know, it's kind of these different genres that I touch on that I've really tried to experiment with. And, and I'm really pleased with the outcome. It's just kind of diversified um, not only my music, but I think my audience as well. I've had a lot of people that didn't know about me before that have, that I found out about me because of this new new material. So I'm really excited about it. Well, it is a great album. I've been able to listen to most of the tracks on it. Talk about your songwriting style. How did your songwriting begin? Do you feel um, a rhythm or the music first or the lyrics first, or does it really depend on the song or how, how do you type your writing style usually? It depends on the song, but I would say 80% of the time, um, like a, a lick or a melody gets stuck in my head and the emotion or the mood that comes along with it inspires a lyric that comes with it. So usually the hook with the music and the lyrics happen about the same time. And then I kind of build on the song from there. Um, and do you write on the piano or point, guitar or both? Or what do you write? What do, what um, do you use to write with? Um, both, both, mostly piano. Cause that's, that's what I grew up on. Guitar is just a little bit more portable. <laughs> so right. um, that one kind of goes on the road with me. Um, and it's a little bit more rock and roll than the piano can, than the piano can do. But I, I love the piano. I could play it all day, all night. It's just such a beautiful instrument. Um, but yeah, most of the writing I do structurally is on the piano. And then we kind of translate it to maybe not even a piano in the piece once we record it. Very nice. And do you, do you try to capture? Do you try to um, capture all aspects of? It? Do you like to do the singing, the writing, recording, the directing, everything, or 
when you do it, you've had some great music videos out there. Do you like giving up control? Are you a control person? Uh, how, how far oh, do you go with your music? Let's put it that way. <laughs> I am definitely a control person. Um, this last album was the first time I used a, a co-producer besides myself. So I've had to let go of a little bit of the artistic control. I still had, you know, the ultimate veto, um, but right. I trusted the process. And, um, you know, like one of the songs on the album, um, uh, This Is The End, I Don't Want To Forgive You. I initially went in and it was a piano song about a breakup. And my my co-producer, Taylor, says, you know, I think I've had enough of like the 12-minute Tori Amos piano songs. I think we need to take this. <laughs> And make this into like How a kiss off pink. Yeah, I know, right? How dare you? This is my baby. But he's like, no, we need to make this into like a Kelly Clarkson pink kiss off, you know, F U breakup song. And, right. and it turned out so fun. So, so fun. And so and I was I, able to, to, to expand that. Yeah, it was really fun. But yeah, giving up that control was is a bit risky and I and I don't collaborate all too often, but um in this case it really paid off. There you go. Well talk about the music industry a little bit personally to you. I mean it's it's changed so much obviously from where you're able to do an album and kind of tell a story throughout the album. But your songs really seem like they stand apart a bit. Do you kind of create with your music with that in mind that everything now is streaming and for the single? Or do you still try to put a story together for an album? How do you how do you work your your art? Um, I still kind of look at the album as a concept, um, not necessarily a, a storytelling from beginning to end, but a but a concept of sorts. Like Scars, for instance, the newest one is bits of of life as I've experienced it that have left some sort of scar, and so. The, the continuity of it isn't as far isn't to tell a story per se, but each song is a self-contained story, self-contained scar, um, basically a collection of songs, um, is what the album is. And so I, I, I when I write the song and when I'm recording it, um, one of my litmus tests is to see if that song would actually translate well into a music video, and that's actually made or break, made or broken. I, some of the songs that maybe didn't make it onto the album just because I couldn't feel that oh. it was a strong enough single on its own. Um, and so right. each song I have a, I have a plan for some sort of music video for it, whether it um, comes into fruition or not. But my, my plan was to have a music video for every song on the album. And so that's kind of oh, how they, great. that's kind of how they make it on there. Yeah. Very nice. Very nice. Yeah. And are you constantly in the writing mode? I mean, I'm sure ideas come all the time, or do you try to kind of keep it a cycle where you're um, writing and then performing and recording and then touring, or is it a constant all the above juggling all the balls up in the air? Well, normally it's a cycle, um, but just these last few (laughs) couple of months, you know, touring was supposed to be in the cards. It's just kind of thrown some things up in the air. So there's a lot of, a lot of juggling um, of this, of, of uh, different projects going on. So it's kind of like, well, if I can't tour right now, then I should be planning for the next release and the next music video and things like that. So there's a little bit of a shell game going on, but uh, typically it's, it's a cycle um, recording or writing, recording, performing, writing, recording, performing. Nice. And do you have a sweet spot when you're going out and you start doing gigs again? Do you prefer the, 
the smaller 50 to 100, 300 to 500, or like the 3,000 to 5,000? Do you have a preference or a sweet spot well, for you? God, and obviously you want to be a rush. pop to listen to your music. But what, <laughs> well, it's what Stockholm do you Pride. like? I think that was one of my biggest. Yeah, it's, it's Stockholm Pride. That was one of the biggest audiences I think I'd played to. There's about ten to 12,000 people in the wow. city just stopped at this big, huge stage in the middle of the, of the city park. It was just incredible um, to feel the, the the audience giving back the same energy that I was putting out. But there is something to be said when, like this last go-around, when I went to New York to perform at the Triad Theater to do my album release concert, to really it's, – it's more intimate space. Um, it's not – it's not terribly small, but it's not huge. It's not like a 500 venue. It's more about the 300. Right. Um, so it was a, it was a comfortable space. Um, still enough to make me nervous because <laughs> I can see people's faces. <laughs> um, typically if the lights, you know, if it's a big enough stage, I can't see very many people that I'm, that I'm okay, but I still do get a little bit of stage fright. I'm an introvert. So it's a little, wow. it's a little difficult for me. Yeah. Yeah. If I don't have my guitar in front of me, it's, it's, this, it's been a little different for me, especially with this album. Um, not a lot of songs I would not have, have thought me. That. Yeah, not a lot of songs have me right there with the guitar all the time on the song, and so I have to get used to to not having my 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 blanket in front of me, <laughs> so to speak. There you go. Um, and so yeah. many artists now in Corona are doing a lot of the streaming events and everything and doing streaming concerts. Is that something you're comfortable with that you think you might ever do? Because a lot of them are saying they might do that a little more often, even when they start touring again, because of the intimacy with the audience. Do you like that type of performing yeah. at all? Or have you tried it yet? I tried it. I did. A, I was in a parking garage that had been empty and um, I decided to stream me singing, um, your song by Elton John, the Moulin Rouge version. And Ooh, I love that. just by happenstance. And I just, I had never done anything like that before. Um, and it turned out really, really well. And so uh, I'm planning on doing kind of a series called the parking garage, <laughs> the parking garage sessions. I and like just going that. back to that, that garage cool. and, and doing some music. Yeah. Yeah. The, the reverb in there is amazing. So. That's yeah. kind of a great idea. I have all sorts of love out for that. That's very cool. Yeah, yeah. So we got to start wrapping it, it up. My, Tell me a little. Studio, so let's but... talk a little bit about American Nightmare. I mean, as we said, it's very apropos for what we're going through right now. Hopefully, we'll get through this oh, nightmare. Yeah. But tell me where the inspiration for this song came, and talk about it a second before so, we play it here. Initially, it, it came from my experience through conversion therapy that I was being being basically forced by religious dogma to take this medication to to make me look and behave like everyone else. Um, and then it slowly, the meaning of the song crept over into other aspects of, you know, politics and religion being in control of what people are doing and saying and, and how they live um, blindly. Um, and so that's where the song, the song's heart stems from. Um, and uh, it just, is happenstance that we had decided to work on this the video about a month or two before this COVID thing happened. Um, so <laughs> uh, timed, um, it wasn't planned, there but you go. it certainly is coincidental and, and applicable um, to what we're right. going through right now where we're being told one thing, but the reality is another. So, yeah. Very, very true. 
Oh, we're going to play after that in a second. I really appreciate you coming on the show today, Justin. Let everyone know where they can find you at. You can find me on Instagram at Justin Utley, J-U-S-T-I-N-U-T-L-E-Y. You can also find me on Facebook and YouTube, same spelling. Um, and uh, I answer back all my messages, so it would be great to hear from you guys. And you have a great website that has all your videos in one place and very handsome man out there, boys and girls. you got you got to go check Justin out. <laughs> Um, and some great Thank videos you. out there. Very fun. Well, Justin, I appreciate you, you being much. on the Left of Straight show today. Thanks so much for coming on and telling us about your music. Thank you for having me so much. This has been great. All right. Well, stay on the line for me, guys. We're going to play out to the aforementioned song there. So we're going to listen to American Nightmare by Justin Utley. And be on the lookout for a special five questions with Justin. We're going to uh, put that out some bonus content later on. I'll be back after the after the song. You're listening to the Left of Straight show right here on the Left of Straight Radio Network. 